Hi, I'm Jason Karn, Total HIPAA's Chief Compliance Officer. On today's episode of HIPAA Talk, I spoke with David Smith. David is a nationally recognized health and welfare benefits compliance expert. Join us as we discuss how COVID-19 has affected HIPAA enforcement and how you can keep your data and business safe in a remote work environment. So um, how has, I mean, the the elephant in the room and in everybody's room, COVID-19, how has COVID-19, the pandemic impacted HIPAA enforcement in the last year? Well, I think the main way this affected HIPAA enforcement has been how work from home has called, caused basically distribute, dis, you know, distributed work. And out of that, the IT complications that go along with it. So if you are somebody who worked in an office all the time and your only access to the network was through, you know, a plug or through a wireless, but it's all behind a firewall, then now you're not, right? Right. And so I think that creates some real um, issues for a lot of employers. I know like, like for us, we really had to go through and we'd already had a lot of employees sign, you know, BYOD, bring your own device uh, policy statements, but, you know, had to go back and make sure that we had them because now not only have we been allowing people to use, see their work email on their phones, but now sometimes they were taking their laptops home when they never did before or they were working from home. And I think that's one of those areas where, you know, I think we're, we're probably months out from the, the discovery of the first employee whose system really wasn't that secure. And so all it took was hitting a home computer and then um, getting through that into a, into a larger system. Um, I think that's gonna be an area that really COVID has, has affected things. But on the other side, I think there's a lot of um, reality how COVID's changed how we think about health information. Um, and I think we will wind up in the place where I, my, my prediction has been for a while that, you know, come June or July, you'll only be able to fly if you've had the vaccine or at some point right. in time. Um, yeah, I just think there's a whole combination of these things that ultimately get played out very interesting ways that we all have to be pretty mindful of. Yeah, I actually saw an article about that with some international travel saying that they're going to they think that they're going to be pushing the the you know the COVID passport essentially yeah. that states what you've done. So it may not be enforced uh domestically but more than likely internationally, but with some of these large cities going into New York, going into LA, um, San Francisco, some of these big hubs where having they're having major uh, outbreaks, it that might come to come to fruition there also. So it'll yeah. be interesting. Yeah, we've been we've been um, really working hard. That that's actually been one of the biggest things that um, that we've been doing in the past year is is work from home policies and a lot of just you know laying out how the device is supposed to be used because you've got people who are taking their per, you know their work devices home but they may be short on a device for a child and a child needs to get online to do their homeschooling. And so how do we, how do we wall that off? How do we make sure that we have things protected properly that those kinds of, those kinds of situations. And it gets really tricky because we understand, you know, in a, if there's this, you know, maybe just a single mother with kids, she doesn't have the resources necessarily to go and get iPads for everybody or an e-pad for everybody. And so that we have to really figure out how we're going to do that. So, 
Um, you know, that's also meant bringing in some IT folks to say, okay, well, you know, we need to at least set up a separate ID, um, that kind of, those kinds of situations, or see if there's a, extra devices at the company that they might be able to loan to the, the worker so that they have those additional devices. So it's, it's been a really, really hard. And I know it's kept up a lot of IT people at night. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that they are really, I think, I know like the IT people I've talked to about this have really been like, I mean, kind of, why didn't y'all give us a heads up this was going to happen? It's like, I think all of us would have loved to have a heads up that this was going to happen, but none of us did. So I'm not really sure what your question is. Um, I would have bought, just, I would have bought stock world. in Zoom a long time ago is what yeah. I would have done. <laughs> but what are you going to do, yeah. right? Exactly. Well, as one of my history teachers used to say, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So, right, and luckily twenty twenty is behind us. <laughs> yeah. So, is there anything HR offices need to keep an eye out for, it, like changes in notifying employees? You know, it's been a really sticky situation in notification, but also maintaining privacy uh, for employees. Um, so, anything, any hints, any thoughts on that? No, I mean, I think a lot of employers are. I think they're going to have a lot of other things to worry about rather than um, than having a breach, if I'm honest. I think one of the things that's going to be a reality is that I expect a ton of employment laws to change in the meantime, which may cause some to just not pay attention until they have a problem, which goes back to my breach situation. But I think a lot of employers are going to feel like, I've got so much other things to worry about right now, I can't worry about that, which is probably the wrong way to really approach it. Um, and then particularly if you do business in places like um, California, your employees in California, New York, or some of these other states that are at least going to look at this, you got to remember that those laws, while you might be in another state, still apply to those employees in that state. Um, and then increasingly with people doing business overseas, you've got kind of two entirely different standards we have two similar standards, but you got to comply with different ones for the UK versus the rest of Europe now. So, I mean, I just think there's a ton going on and I'm most worried about people having to pick and choose and choosing poorly. Right. So just to be clear, you're talking about GDPR and the C, and yep. the, was it the CPPA or whatever it is, the California Protection Yep. Act there. And what is the one in New York? I don't remember the one in New York. New York has, uh, New York's is mainly an insurance, bre- insurance privacy law that okay. some degrees covered right. by HIPAA, but you see those issues pop up and you're also starting to see more states adopt what I would call more consumer breaches mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with HIPAA or health information, but just simply financial information breaches that I think those standards are going to continue to go up and not expect right. some federal standard either by legislation or regulation in the next two years. Okay. And uh, New York, that's the Department of Financial Services. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Yeah. Yeah, That's, um, those are, you know, it's surprising to me when we start seeing, and and this is something I think when we, we've talked about a lot, when we start seeing the expanded definition of PHI that's coming out of, of HHS, and what they're looking at. And even when you start throwing in some of the additional, you know, you got ERISA standards um, that are, you know, Department of Labor standards there um, and how they're looking, not just at PHI, but PII, personally identifiable yeah. information and 
as a medical practice to really make sure you're protecting all information, financial as well as personal information. Yeah. So um, any stories from that you've run into when it comes to COVID notifications, anything weird, wild, crazy? I think the most, I mean, I, I think I continue to just see different things happen and just, I, I don't have any any specific stories about what things people have messed up lately. Um, I do think what was really interesting was there was a recent case where the Office of Civil Rights had issued a penalty to MD Anderson for a breach of, of uh, for a privacy breach. And the court struck down the penalty because HIPAA does not allow OCR to assign penalties to publicly owned entities. Um, and so to me, that was kind of an interesting situation. Um, but, you know, it, I, I don't know whether some of what I'm running into is just about, you know, people being a little more careful. I don't see as many laptop theft problems. I don't see a lot of those other things that I might have, that I used to see, because I think so many people have just gotten used to encrypting their hard drives as soon as they get them. Um, do I think we're going to continue to see people do stupid things? Absolutely. That's how, that's how anything bad happens. Right. People do, don't do the things they should have done. Yeah. Okay. There was a, an uptick in breaches in 2020, many of which took over place over email or over a network server. What safeguards should companies have in place to prevent against this? Well, I mean, I think that anybody who's going to handle PHI should have a system so some kind of tool within their email server that will automatically encrypt messages that contain PHI. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think that there has to be a middle ground on that. There are, there are some that have, if you have it at a very high sensitivity, there's a, a, a almost exact increase in the number of complaints from, from clients who get emails that, that were encrypted that they didn't understand why they were encrypted, right? Right. Um, and so that combination uh, is always kind of an interesting issue that happens. But to me, those automated systems become very, very, very important because nobody's perfect. I've made that mistake. Mm-hmm. And what we set up in our own system is we'll encrypt it if it's necessary because it does reach kind of what I would call a, a responsible threshold. So instead right. of being at 90, it's 60. Right. And that way, then the difference between 90 and 60 is if I write the word social security number in there, then at 90, it's going to encrypt it, even though it, there is no social security number in there. Right. And so at 60, it will let it go through without encryption because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so now the system not only encrypts it when it needed to, it also sends an email to the original sender and says, hey, we encrypted this FYI. And right. I've done it like, I didn't even think about that. And mm-hmm. so I think automated systems are very important and there's good technology on that front. Yeah, I think the server thing is, is actually really interesting because so many people are moving away from physical servers mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're renting virtual server, you know, they're, using off-site servers for that. And um, and I think that's an area that 
who's controlling that virtual server, what kind of access and control do I have over it as the person whose information is on it. Um, and then, frankly, I think even like our agency, it's getting people into the mindset of take the information off of your hard drive and put it on the server. You can still access it. You just have to start thinking about saving it in a different way. Right. Right. And good. Yeah. I was going to say, we use that, we, we use that process ourselves and it's so helpful because we're now have remote access, but that also allows me to deny access. It allows me to con keep control over those files um, and keep and, and have that, that ability. And also when I have to share large files with clients that I have control over who is getting access to this. So we know what's know exactly what's going on. Cause that's, that's every it person's nightmare is not having control over those, over those yeah. files or over what if, that information. But if you're an agency owner or executive, one of the, one of the things that never crossed your mind is that this is a big deal until somebody's not in and you need a file. And it's mm -hmm. on their hard drive as opposed to being on the network and you need access to it. So for us, right. it also becomes just a business process. I mean, mm -hmm. is there always a risk of somebody taking the information? Yes. There's that risk today. The question mm -hmm. is, how much does that change? And, and again, like you say, control over it. If the person leaves, you can just turn off their access. Um, I, I do think that that's an area that, that, agencies in particular need to be very smart about uh, because it's an area that most of us have never worried about. And, you know, if you got more than 10 employees, one person being out means nothing happens for a day. And right. if you don't have it all on a common server, then that, that becomes a problem. It is interesting to see also with the, with the server issues, sharing information, particularly large files, like you mentioned, and how some of that server software is very good at sharing links. Mm -hmm. And then some of that software is not. Right. And so like we've used Dropbox as a upload site for years and kind of it's worked for us, but we've seen people who in that process, particularly as we move to more virtual servers, where we want to be able to do that and have a Dropbox site, but there's no way to assign one that doesn't allow someone to see what's in the folder. And so right. that becomes an issue. And so I do think that the fine nuances of user interface and everything else become very important as you think about it from an agency perspective, because the last thing you want to do is have an upload folder that if somebody clicks on it to upload something, they, can see what anybody else has dropped in there or open anything else that's in there. Right. So it's yeah. I mean, you really have to be careful about the way you configure those drives. Um, one of the things that I always warn people about too, is there are those linked to share. And I, if you look at the fine print and it's not even that fine, it'll say anybody who has this specific link will be able to get in this folder. And that's one of the things where you lose that, uh, the BAA protection, say for like Google Drive, when they say you have to turn off link sharing because if they access the folder is one thing, but accessing the through a link means that anybody can take that off your system and then you no longer have that control. And then HIPAA, and, uh, excuse me, Google's like, uh, no, thank you. We won't cover that. That's on you. Well, and, and I think maybe that's another really important thing that, that 
um, a lot of people who have been diligent about making sure that they're only doing business with vendors that are signing business associate subcontractor agreements or business associate agreements is that I'm finding a lot of those vendors, particularly the large ones, have become much more nuanced in terms of the extent of their protection. A great example is Zoom. So mm -hmm. Zoom says basically, we'll give you a business a business associate subcontractor agreement, but you understand that one of those requirements is that you can never record to the web any kind of Zoom call because if you've done that, then it we're not taking on BAA responsibility for that PHI. And right. I think that's one of those places where the greater attention, and this is, I think, a great, very important role that you play is pointing out to people, yes, but. Mm -hmm. Yes, they'll sign a business associate agreement or a business associate subcontractor agreement, but there's a limit to it. Don't cross this line because then at that point in time, you can't point at them and say, take responsibility. And right. I think that's a vital role that you already play. And I know everybody who does business with you is very appreciative of that. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, it is important. And, and especially when you look at when the pandemic began, Zoom had a lot of issues as far as security uh, holes because they became that de facto standard for all these meetings and people were popping into Zoom meetings when they weren't supposed to be able to. And uh, so Zoom had a lot of patching and a lot of things going on there. So yeah, you gotta be really careful uh, yeah. in your technology. And that's not just to call it Zoom as a, you know, I know other other platforms had, uh, had teams, issues. Teams, I mean, way. everybody had it. You know, I, I don't, sort of going back earlier, you know, the horse, the horse is out of the barn here with working from home, working remotely. It's going to be interesting to see uh, once we get through this pandemic, how much people are actually going in. Um, I think remote work is going to really become a, a, a standard with everything that we have going on. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And, and there's all sorts of fun things to go with remote work. Like you're a business in North Carolina and you're a remote worker who lives in Florida. Yeah. What do you do from an income tax perspective? I mean, it's like all those things too. So. Uh, that's always fun. That's when you go, well, you're a 1099. So yeah, what does, but it does, that's where, that's where you make sure you have a good accountant. Yeah. So for companies that have shifted remote work during the pandemic and are working on building cybersecurity infrastructure, what should their top priorities be? I mean, I think communication is, we talked about as a, as a big one, but. I mean, I think making sure your server and everything's set up. Um, I think, the main thing is teaching people what VPN is and why to do it and why to follow it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's probably the biggest knowledge gap among people who work from home because they don't worry about VPN when they're working at the office. But now in a lot of situations, you need to have it. I think VPN is um, probably going to evolve over the next couple of years to be more of an automated system. But I think if you're worrying about that and you're worried about people having access to data, that's got to be your biggest concern. Um, because then you've got control over um, people's path, you know, their actual pipeline into work. But, mm -hmm. and yeah. then all this virtual server information that we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd be surprised. I mean, it's interesting. I've, I was having a conversation with, uh, with another IT guy uh, a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, we started computing back way, way, way back in the beginning that, you know, there were mainframes and there, and you were basically using terminals 
And then we went to, you know, computing, having the hard, you know, getting, needing bigger and bigger hard drive space. And now we're back to basically mainframes, what we call it, cloud computing. Um, yeah. And if there will be a shift back, but to me with the flexibility, I mean, one of the, the nice things is if I lose this computer that I'm talking to you right now is I, one, it's encrypted and two, all my data that's important is stored in the cloud. So the restoration is so much easier. It's like, I don't even worry, to be honest, I don't really worry about the the core system because I go, well, I'll just get a new, I'll just put a new system in and then I just need the, the data is where is, is stored in the cloud. So that's where my, that's my it's, safety net. It's, it's the fact that you're seeing, it's like the virtual hard drive is really what's happening. Yeah. And I know on the Apple side, they've made the whole, you know, truly that shared drive idea, the fact that you copy and paste, I can copy on my computer and paste it on my phone or vice versa, or I can save files to my hard drive and they're on my hard drive. All that stuff is just, I mean, at one level it's magic if you don't know any better, but another level, you're exactly right. It gives you the comfort that if I had a hard drive failure, everything I've got, I can get a hold of. Yep. And, and that's good news. I mean, those of us who are anal retentive because we lost a bunch of crap over the years now, don't worry as much about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice to have that backup built into the, into the system. And, and I try, you know, it's, it used to be where I'd go, God, I got to have at least a terabit on my drive. Now I'm like 250. I can get away with you know, even less. So, cause it's, I put everything up in the cloud. So, yeah. which, you know, I'm sure some people are going, geez, that's a, that's an accident way to have it. But I, you know, that's, I think it's I think it's important and I, I also think you know sort of vamping on that is really making sure that people have um, put in good security on their home networks and updated yeah. those passwords and using the WPA and and make or was it WPA2 with the AES so making sure that you have that and not using the, the standard password. Um, the story I like to tell is once I lost my pack, I couldn't remember uh, a password for my um, for my device, my wireless device, and I was able to hack it remotely um, and get in in about five minutes. And so you really want to make sure that you've got some good security around that because that's the easiest way into a system. Yeah. So do you have any interesting stories or anything you've seen in the field in 2020 or anything, any cautionary tales? I mean, no, nothing other than the things we've talked about, work from home, a lot of agencies struggling with that piece of it. I interestingly haven't heard a lot of horror stories about breaches or things like that that have happened because I just don't think there's been either a ton of it or a ton of attention paid to it. Um, and, and I think it's just the last 12 months have been so defined by COVID. And what that's meant to anybody in the, in the in the world who uses it, who winds up being in this field, being so overwhelmed by all the things that COVID nineteen did in terms of working from home, in terms of dealing with clients, in terms of restricting people to walk into your office, in terms of being able to deliver any number of kinds of documents to in our situation moving to almost exclusively online enrollments during open enrollment and not doing live in-person open enrollment presentations. And a lot of that's come down to 
How good's my technology? How well can I deliver it? How good's my backup protection whenever I'm doing online enrollment? How easy is it for me to get a hold of the system? How easy is it for me to teach somebody who's scared of a computer to enroll? All those things I think have taken up a lot of the, the intellectual capital of people over the last 12 months to where making mistakes for some reasons become less obvious because everybody's been feeling so like they're rushing around trying to keep up. Right. Interesting. So do you have any other predictions for the future or any things we didn't cover? No, I mean, I think work from home is going to become the norm. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we're finding that people can work just as well from home as they can in the office. Um, I mean, I, I really believe people, uh, particularly who have access to PHI, probably have a greater respect for it now. Um, because COVID's caused everybody to think about it in a different way. Um, I think nearly everybody that I know of has had a virtual physician visit in the last 12 months. Yeah. And you think about that 12 months ago, if I'd said that, you'd have called me a liar and you'd have been right. Yeah. But how many of us have had that virtual visit mm -hmm. instead of walking into a doctor's office and our experience really wasn't that much different? Yeah. Um, and so I think that it could be very transformative in terms of people's increasing level of comfort with technology. Um, and I think now the question is just how much the people can keep up with and the data flow and everything else can keep up with the increased throughput of data. But yeah, I think you're going to see mistakes. And I think you're going to see mistakes mainly among, you know, kind of small to mid-sized agencies who didn't pay enough attention to it. And then something big happens. Right. Um, and then I think it's going to impact some mergers and acquisitions because they're looking at those questions more as they look to buy agencies. What have you done? Were you responsible? What kind of liability am I creating? Have you left behind for me to clean up if you didn't do that? Right, right. So. Yeah, and that's where I think really for these smaller providers, it's important to think about, you know, your technology, patching that technology, you know, as we're switching to, and the thing I was thinking about when you have these portals that you're doing the online enrollments with, um, that you may have a fancy interface that works really well and might help lower the barrier for entry. But if you're not updating your, you know, if you're using Rails or you're not up there, you know, if you're using React app, if you're not updating those protocols, updating that, uh, those, those applications, as you go through it, you can have a really bad problem. You end up with, uh, you know, these breaches that, you know, some of these larger guys have had where, you know, things should have been patched, you know, eight, nine months before or even more. So things were patched, just nobody installed the patch. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you see yeah. that all the time. And, mm -hmm. and to me, if I had one piece of advice for everybody, it would be put forced updates mm -hmm. on every device yep. because not doing it is truly an, an irresponsible act. And I think yeah. it's the kind of irresponsible act that will get people in trouble and could be held out as a standard of, well, I mean, Windows sent this update and mm -hmm. they did it six weeks ago and you never installed it. So right. that's why the person was able to get into your system. And so 
I mean, that's that's the number one thing I'd say to everybody right now, which is keep everything updated. Because yeah. I would say that most of the most of the operating system people, most of the software people are doing a very, very, very good job of white hack, you know, looking at their own systems and finding ways that they can be hacked, or white hat organizations finding them and then fixing them. They right. do that really, really well now. Um, so keep everything up to date. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we, we preach it. We preach it. I hopefully people listen to us cause you know, I'm always out there like constantly looking for patches and you know, I try to just go through and make sure everything does as soon as I see it, you know, it's a good reason to take a break. Yep. So, well, David, I really appreciate it as always. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of HIPAA Talk. If you have any questions or you would like to communicate with our experts, you can find us on Twitter at TotalHIPAA or our website, www.totalhipaa.com or email us at info at totalhipaa.com. Thanks for listening.